I'm Pastor Corey. If we haven't met, by the way, we are so glad you joined us at Christmas time. Uh, this is Pastor Erin. Doesn't she look amazing? Are you clapping for how my wife looks? Jesse, deal with that. Um, we are so glad that you are. Uh, uh, Pastor Aaron and I, actually, our family is going to be on stage for uh, Christmas Eve. So 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock, just 35-minute services. going to be beautiful. What we're going to do is, is our family is just going to extend an invitation to the people that you bring to church of saying, like, hey, whatever your family looks like, we want to invite you into a bigger family. Uh, that's a beautiful family. My kids were just voluntold yesterday. They're nervous that I'm going to force them to do something. And I will. It's good, it's good for them. Um, do not talk to me about the World Cup final. If you want to be friends with me, don't tell me about the game. I haven't watched it yet. So I'm, wor- I'm preaching. I'm working. Um, Jesus didn't take Christmas off, guys. And tape World Cup games and whatever. Um, I'm preaching today um, about, it's, it's a sermon series, it's just two parts called Victory Lab, where God really wants you to enter his rest this Christmas time. So I don't know what burdens you come in carrying uh, with you, but God wants you to enter the rest of the Lord. It's something you have to fight for a little bit, so the sermon's going to be a little challenging, but when you see the world from how God sees it, um, then you enter into the rest of the Lord. You can't fix all the needs of the world. You can't even fix what's going on in... in I mean, you can't fix your husband. You've tried. We don't get it. You can't fix your own heart. But when you see the world according to how God sees the world, God brings his power to his word. And so um, I think that um, today's sermon is going to be a great template for you to enter the rest of the Lord. And there's an encounter that a senior citizen has with the baby Jesus. Come on, senior citizens. Venue has seniors who love loud music. You have to, to come to Venue Church, I think, so... I was talking with a lady right back in the uh, corner there in one of the services last week, and she says, um, you know, people come from different backgrounds. A lot of you came from no church background at all, um, but she came from an Anglican background, um, and I'm like, we're sort of Anglican. (laughs) I love the Anglicans, of course. She's like, no, you're not. I'm like, no, we're not. I just just say that. I just say that. Um, But she's like, I love the worship and the vibrancy, and um, I think that uh, we have a lot to learn from each other in the body of Christ. But uh, we're gonna be pre- I'm going to be preaching about, a, um, you're going to see the video, it's of Simeon when baby Jesus comes to the temple. Here's a senior citizen who has a worldview in the midst of Roman oppression, where the Romans are trying to label him and tell him all the things, and he lives in the middle of uh, a pressure that I don't think you could imagine, unless you came from a different country, maybe you can. He lives in the middle of this, but it does not make him a victim, because he has a a worldview that pleases the Lord. He sees the world, and he got to see Jesus before he died. So it's going to be a great sermon. Hey, but it's time for presents. Are you ready? Sean, play happy music. Okay. Can introverts really be happy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get it, Sean. Get it. One of these days, he's going to blow up. You ever see those quiet people at work? When they go, it's awesome. Because they've been storing it up for a long time. Okay. Um... On the back, if you just turn your head, in the back uh, table there, some of the venue gals did this for Pastor Aaron and I. That is a Christmas gift to every, every family on the Dream Team. If you served on the Dream Team in the fall, your name is on one of those bags. If it's not, your kid took it and didn't tell you um, or just tell somebody the brick wall. That is from Pastor Aaron and I. It's full of weird stuff because we're weird. 
I want to say thank you for serving the Lord with us and for shouldering the burden of our city with us. We just want to say from our family to your family, we love you. Thank you for serving. Uh, the Dream Teamers are people who don't come to church for themselves anymore. They come to serve uh, other people. And so you have a chance to join the Dream Team. We have a party on the 2nd of January because you're not working. They can't make you, I don't think. I haven't figured this out. Um, that's for the Dream Teamers. Now, you can join the Dream Team today and get to that party because I have faith that you're going to show up when we put you on the schedule. <laughs> it came out super dark. Um, anyways, it's a Dream Team party. It's going to be awesome. We spoil you guys uh, for serving the city. Um, do we? Okay, this basket here. I'm just going through the Christmas gifts. Guys, I love giving gifts, and this is Venue Church. We are giving gifts. We are remembering this Venue Kids took on, once every year, the Venue Kids take on a family in need. This is a broken family that on Tuesday, I think, is going to get this gift basket from Venue Church, from Venue Kids. That's why they were soliciting your finances in the lobby last week. I thought Emerson was just raising a little cash for himself. And I'm like, this is great, but does anybody know that you're selling these things? Uh, it was actually to raise money for a family in need. And, um, and so far, I think... Um, I think about $500 has been raised. It's, it's just, what? More than that now? We just, it, we're, they're doing it right now. So, and also is this gift uh, basket of beautiful things. And we just do like things like gift cards. We wish we could do this for everybody, but the government won't let us and we couldn't afford it. Um, the government can spend on whatever they want to, it appears. <laughs> they're very careful that charities spend money properly. So anyways, but this is a venue kids raising funds. Um, I heard that a family sold cookies and raise your kids how much come on i want to brag on your kids 100 bucks to this thing to help a family in need so we give like gift cards i think there's like movie cards and this is like hey it's a, a broken home it's a they've had a hard year and uh there's health problems and we're just like hey we just want you to know that you are special to the lord you are special to us go buy your kids christmas presents go to buy groceries if that's what you need you do whatever you need to with this we love you and uh, this is just a, a part. Okay, now I've got so many more to go. You guys ready? Chad, can you get this amazing basket off of there? Just leave that in my office. That looks pretty good. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, to the Airdrie Food Bank, we gave $3,000 this year. Just like, bless you. We don't, we don't want there to be hungry people in our own city. Um, $3,000 to Community Links, a great organization in town. $2,000. Thank you. To the uh, uh, Airdrie Women's Shelter, Airdrie Power, $1,000. $1,000 to the Pregnancy Care Center. Um, now look, the church, when the church, when we get it right, we can do a lot in the city. And there's a thing called the halo effect, just in our city, that um, studies have been done in like New York and Toronto, where there's a local church, every dollar you donate to the local church, first of all, you get a tax receipt for it, which is incredible. But the, the next, what? Well, what are you saying? You want to preach this? Is that what you want? Okay. Um, sorry, I thought you were like disagreeing with me about something. Like last week, which she definitely corrected me because I got something wrong. Whatever. Um, so every dollar you donate to, the, to a local church saves the city $4.70. Five to one. So you say, people are like, I love my city. I'm like, go to church and give money if you love your city because like, where are you going to beat that investment? Because if they had to pay for what the church does... And this is just cash that we're giving away. All right, you ready? I'm not done yet. I'm just working you up. We bought, we bought uh, pigs to feed two churches. That's what they love in Cuba. The Cuban church is suffering. The Cuban people are suffering. You bless them at Christmas time. Somebody in heaven is going to come to you and be like, you bought a pig. You're the pig church. We're like, we're the pig church. 
Um, that's what they like. And uh, they were hungry and were like, hey, my parents are there right now and uh, kind of working uh, over there and a little work, a little vacation. And so um, do we, is Haiti Arise in the house? Haiti Arise, right there. The Honor Eye family. Uh, either we have or we will shortly write a check for $3,000 to Haiti Arise to help the poor in Haiti because of your generosity. Can we also, I, I have something else that I want to announce as well. I was looking on the, the Compassion Canada um, front page there. Compassion Canada is a great organization, by the way. Um, we have them in. We sponsor kids through them as well. Our family does as well. And so I was looking through the front page. And uh, it's important at Christmas, no matter what you're struggling with, to remember somebody else who's struggling. And what they're dealing with overseas right now, Haiti Rise, what they're dealing with overseas, I don't think you can imagine unless you come from there. And so particularly after COVID, a lot of the funding dried up. Uh, so I'm looking through this front page. I'm like emergency food packs and, and job skills for moms. And, and I'm like backyard farming and the global food crisis, emergency food packs for families in Thailand and in Togo and food for malnourished. I'm looking and I'm like meals for a family. I'm like, we gotta do something. We gotta do something uh, by a family, a cow or a pig. You know why I looked at this page? Because I'm like, I'm like, we're getting a pig. Have you watched the movie Red? <laughs> Apologize to Bruce Willis right now. It's like John Malkovich is like, we're getting the pig. I told one of my staff that, and they're like, I haven't seen that movie. I'm like, you're fired. Like, go home and watch it. Like, oh my goodness. And you can come back and ask for your job back with a little humility. I'm like, we're getting a pig. So that's why I'm looking at this page here. And I'm like, vegetable seeds and chickens and, and uh, girls in tech and leadership and a computer. And I'm looking at it and I'm looking. And then I, and then I looked at prenatal health care and moms and babies and food for moms and babies and hip surgery for Douglas and hygiene kits and dental kits and most of which we have and take for granted and clean water and bathrooms and and I looked through this whole first page and then I looked at what we had and we did every single thing on this page. And we bought, here, here, how do I do this? How do I do this? This is what we bought. And we bought five pigs. Because we can. And we bought 100 meals for a family. And we bought 20 packs for malnourished children. Come on, I mean, the, this is what we did. Boom, 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 boom. We remember the poor. We love the poor. Come on, Menu Church. When we get church right, when we get church right, we can feed the poor for generations to come. And my grandfather came from the Ukraine and they had nothing. He showed up, he was 18 years old, didn't speak the language, had $12. Made a life for himself. But his vision was, like the vision of many that came, that we could, from this nation, we could feed the world and we could start doing that. We got to get local church right. When we get local church right and we remember the poor, uh, God shines upon us. And so, all right, I'm all worked up. We have other things that we're doing too. I'm talking with one of our guys who works in El Salvador, but I'm not going to tell you yet. You don't get them. I have to tell you. I just want to leave something for January, guys, because we give all year round. And uh, thank you so much for all that you do. Everything that comes in, we take a good chunk and give it, uh, give it away. All right. Um, the sermon is called Victory Lap. You can finally rest when you see the world through God's eyes. You know, last week I said there's a struggle box. 
The struggle box, I think, exists to change your worldview. Now, you got to leave your struggle box this Christmas and just walk over. Thanks, Sean. You can leave your struggle box this Christmas and come over where the Lord is your shepherd. If you didn't listen to last week's sermon, go back and watch that. Where the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me like a two-year-old lie down and have a nap. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Now, when David writes that, of course, we think that he's writing it from a place like he must be in a good part of his road where he doesn't, you know, have any enemies and his own kids like him. And uh, the reality of it was, you see later in that psalm, he's like, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm experiencing great fear. Uh, the Lord is disciplining me with a rod. You, you don't, you're not a sheep, so you don't know what the rod is for. He's like, the Lord is disciplining me. And he's making me eat with a bunch of people that don't like me, that I'm probably paying for. And so you realize, like David, right in the middle of his struggle, right in the middle of all of his struggle in his career as a king, all the enemies that hated him, the enemies in his own home. You see the brokenness of his home. And right in the middle of all of that, God just times, he's like, no, no, no. I can actually let these things push me to the place where the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want because this doesn't define me. In fact, as soon as you take something out of the struggle box, something else gets put in there. If you have teenagers. If you're sitting beside them, just give them an elbow right in their ribs. Just like, I love you so much. My mom had sharp elbows. Um, help me preach this a little bit today. You know, I think the people with the most energy have found a way to enter the Lord's rest. And today's sermon is going to be about when your viewpoint changes, then you can actually enter that rest. But if your viewpoint of the world is wrong, it's going to be like a fish trying to climb a tree. It's going to get really discouraging and all, you know, everything around you right now is like, hey, you're a fish, try to climb this tree. And God's like, no, I want you to swim. And so everything right now is giving you a false message around you in the world right now because it's something that I call the worldview. Now, you can't fix the world. You can't even fix your own family. You can't fix yourself. And so what I want to say is if, you're, if, you, if you carry around the burden of everything with you all of the time, your life is going to be very discouraging. But I'm just going to break it down into little pieces that God has a plan for you. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They're thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I've written, he's saying, I've written a story that you're in. You're like, well, pastor, I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't go to Sunday school. I messed up. Things happened to me. God's like, watch this, watch this. God is like, I know. I wrote that into your story too. And in spite of all of those things, I'm still writing a story that's beautiful for you. Now, one of my favorite science fiction authors had the nerve to get old and die. And then, if you're new to venue church, this is what we do. And then his son, who must have owned all the copyright stuff and the characters, I don't know how books work, obviously. His son starts writing these science fiction stories. And I started reading these, and I'd go on vacation with Pastor Aaron, and I would, you know, be sitting in a chair reading these stories and complaining the whole time about how this guy can't write. And I'm like, this guy can't write. He's not his dad. He's a terrible author. And I felt like God is saying to me this week, yeah, well, tell the people of venue, like, if you try to author your own story, you're not a good writer. And the best you're going to do is like, hey, I think that I can actually do this this year. And God is like, I have like 10 times more for you this year than what you could actually do anyways. And it would take a God, it would take partnership with God to do it. I just realized like, this guy's not brilliant. I'm not brilliant to writing my story. God has a plan for you. He just wants you to play your part. It's like God has a table set for you this year and this Christmas particularly where he's like, he's like, come over and you're like, God, can I bring all the food? Because I, I need to feel needed. And God's like, I got it. 
and I don't love your cooking sometimes. Just stir the gravy. We're like, no, no, I'm more important than gravy, God. He's like, no, just, it's just your part. You don't have to do everything. Because somebody else, it's their job to peel the potatoes. Just relax. Just relax. Just stir the gravy. Let me worry about the whole product. And let me feed you. Um, I revamped my whole sermon after the first service. And I got to say, you're helping me preach a lot better than they did. I don't know who those people were, but... <laughs> They're on the naughty list. The, um, every service loves when you make fun of the other service, but I do that with... with when yeah. The early service, I'm like, you people love Jesus. I don't know, these second service people. Um, <laughs> your viewpoint matters you know my, my uh, wife I was talking to her um, I asked her permission to share this I ask her permission most of the time and um, she said she had a, a little friend that when she grew up on the farm we got any farm kids you're the only people who know how the world works right now farm kids okay all the other people are like is he making fun of us now I want you so secure that I can make fun of you every week. And you're just like, whatever, it's funny. It's funny. We're going to laugh. You love it. Um, so Pastor Aaron, she was, she was, I don't know if it had been raining or what, but they were stomping around on the farm in one of the cattle pens. And they were stomping around in what they thought was just like mud. Now, if you're from the city, mud is when dirt gets wet. And when you're a farmer, that's what's fun. <laughs> she was stomping around in the mud with her little friend. And, uh, but they didn't realize that it wasn't really mud. It was uh, manure. <laughs> oh, this sermon's going to preach, y'all. Sometimes you're just stomping around and you think it's mud, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and if you've ever stomped around in manure with rubber boots, uh, it's like... A, like a sinkhole, right? It starts like sucking you down. It's got a life of its own, right? So it starts like sucking you down. And, uh, and they start panicking. Aaron's, uh, Pastor Aaron's always good for a panic. And uh, they were like panicking, and her friend's panicking. Aaron somehow got herself out, which she would, probably by stepping on her friend. And she got, she got herself out of this somehow. And she, uh, she, ran, back, she ran back to the farm, or to the house to, to get, grand, uh, to get her, the kid's grandpa, I guess, to get to dad. And uh, her friend, uh, Crystal, ironically, was stuck in the manure. One of our staff is Crystal, so that's why that's funny. Was stuck in the manure, and uh, her dad had to come. And, because Aaron couldn't pull her friend out of the manure. This is going to preach, I'm telling you. Her dad just pulled Crystal out of the manure. Sadly, they lost Crystal's boots, and they're still in there somewhere. <laughs> I got thinking about this, you know. Sometimes you, you're, you're trying to pull everybody out of the manure that you find yourself in. When You know what's easier? Just go back to the house and get debt. You might lose the boots. Oh, such a good sermon. Oh, the first sermon. The first service didn't get this. I told different stories that they did not respond to. Um, you don't have to figure out your life. It's exhausting. You don't have to write your story. It's exhausting. Um, there's two voices and two possibilities in life. On the one hand, we have what I call... You ready? The, world, the worldly view. This is how everybody around you, the school system, medical system, just people who, let's say people who don't um, follow Jesus. 
Because um, when Jesus comes, he, he brings what I'm going to call, on the one hand, we have the worldly view. On the other hand, we call a biblical worldview. Okay, so I'm just going to compare these really quickly. There's a whole, I could do, maybe I should do a whole series about, about this. The, the worldly view, um, the premise is, is like, hey, do, do what you see fit to make you happy. I mean, generally, that's kind of what people around you are trying to do, right? Like, just be happy, like, do this, or do whatever makes you happy, right? Um, but then when somebody with a worldview is like, I don't know if that's going to make you happy, then th there tends to be, this view um, is a bit short-sighted. I don't know if you've thought about this, but everybody who thinks the way that you think is going to be dead within 50 years. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> On the timeline of eternity, what we think in Canada right now is, is not even this narrow. It's not even a thing. And we're looking at how we're viewing everything. I could dip into it, but everything. Race. I guess I'm dipping into it. Sexuality, money, gender, everything. Like everything that we're viewing right now is like right here. And everybody who thinks the way that you are is what I would consider, you're kind of in the dirt just trying to figure it out. Like you're, you're, you're playing around in the mud and we're all at the same level. Then you hear this other message at the same level that's like, hey, find yourself. Like if you find yourself playing in the manure, it's going to preach, I'm telling you. Like, you can feel it. You know. Brilliance is coming. You know, I get stressed out preparing sermons sometimes because I just get stressed out. I don't know why. I just get stressed out preparing sermons. Until I realize, like, they're not my sermons. I don't have to write a sermon. All right. Then I take my energy, and I'm like, oh, what do you see, God? Right? Every week is just this, like, stress, stress, stress. Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm like, okay, okay. Uh, by Thursday, I'm like, this, uh, this sermon's amazing. And by Friday, I'm like, this sermon is the worst sermon. Because <laughs> there's always another thing underneath the thing that I got to get to to you. There's always something else that I got to, the pain of the week drives me here. So I see something so God can shock me out of where I am so that I realize like, oh, that's not really the thing. I could preach here or I could preach here. And I realize like, and then by Saturday, I'm like, oh, Jesus help. Like, okay, I feel like if you do the thing, it'll be great. Um, but... See, the worldly view is, is kind of shallow, and the worldly view hates grandpa for some reason. I haven't figured this out. Like grandpa's morality. We push grandpa down the stairs, and we're like, you're archaic. We've evolved. You know, the same words that he said to his grandpa, and the same words your kids are going to say to you. Like, we've evolved. We're so much smarter than... When the reality of it is there's nothing new under the sun, and every problem and every thought that you've ever had has been had by generations before you, maybe five generations, or, you know... There's nothing new under the sun. People are like, we've evolved sexually. I'm like, Rome, if that's what you call it, did all the things that you're ever, you know, come out like, they weren't, they weren't happy. <laughs> they got taken over. Their entire society fell. Um, now, now, the trouble is, um, the people around you tend to look at a biblical worldview with like, you know, we're kind of answerable. And we tend to, you know, the world of view. I, I worked in industry, and so there was, this was just common and normal. You know, it was, just, it was what their dad told them, right? And so, of course, they hated the church because their dad did. And nobody knew why anymore, but, you know, the church is full of hypocrites. I'm like, well, don't you come then because, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you find a perfect one, then don't go. You didn't like that church? No, it's a make fun of church people. It's a little, it's a double-edged thing. I, I get it, but... But then this people, what I found is this, the worldly view people and all the, you know, stuff that's going on in schools and the teaching stuff tend to look at the people with the biblical worldview and put labels on 
on if that's what you subscribe to. They put labels on there. The whole idea here is like, hey, do whatever makes you happy. And the biblical people are like, this makes us happy. And they're like, well, no. And so, right? And then there's like very, then, then you get labeled intolerant. By tolerant people? I, I haven't, maybe I'm not smart enough yet. I haven't worked this out. We're just doing what makes us happy. We met Jesus and like life is better. And they're like, no, don't tell us what to do. We're like, we're not. You, you can do whatever you want, I guess. But are you happy? So, and then this label, you know, you get labeled at work sometimes. Like, oh, you, you know, you're intolerant. You're full of hate. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that Jesus allows us to hate. I don't think I'm allowed to hate you. You know, like, I'm going to go to church. Nobody would accept me. I'm like, I don't think that we're allowed not to. Like, what kind of people we get these emails? What kind of people are allowed here? We're like, uh, everybody? Like, we... We haven't figured out that, well, we're here. <laughs> if you've met Chad, like, you could come. He'll <laughs> right? be fine. Just meet Chad. He'll be fine. He did worse than you ever did, you know. And God somehow saved his dirty, sinful soul. Right, so there's these labels that kind of happen with these things. Or they, they label us as naive or simple-minded. or They basically, you know, I mean, if you're over here, all the words that you're saying are the words that you hope you're the opposite of. Right? That's when you get mad at somebody that's like... You kind of tend to project. Um, what, what, what the world currently thinks right now is going to be chopped up within 20 or 30 years, chopped up and served to us in movies, making fun of what you think and your generation. Right? And your kids are going to be like, <laughs> you're like, no, what I think is serious. I've thought about this stuff. And I'm like, mm, you have no regrets during COVID. The great toilet paper scare, <laughs> nothing. There's gonna be movies about it. My grandkids are gonna be like, are you, were you seriously that stupid? I'll be like, I, I guess. Did you use more toilet paper during that? No, we just didn't want our neighbors to get it. So we just wanted to have it all, right? <laughs> Now, the thing is, trying to find yourself in a worldly view in an extremely narrow window of eternity is very difficult. A, if you think you can find yourself, that's weird, by the way. Like, find myself. You don't know where you are? No, I think what we're meaning is like finding a purpose. Well, here's the deal. Society around you, the Bible would say, hey, society is lost. And it's like the blind leading the blind trying to tell you like, hey, we know what you're here for. Let's quick, let's put a label on you so that you can identify as whatever, a 65-year-old unicorn or whatever you want to identify as right now. Right? So it's like, hey, don't know, let's quick do this so that you know who you are, and you guys spend your whole life proving who you are. There's, uh, it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. And, um, and uh, where was I going with all this? It was something super brilliant. But trying to find yourself here, I think trying to find yourself is exhausting. Can, I, can we throw that quote up here? Like, you can live and die trying to find yourself, or you can just... Ask Jesus to find you. If you try to find yourself, what if you're not supposed to find yourself? The Bible says uh, you find your life by losing it. And the world's like, that doesn't make any sense. And you're like, are you, are you guys doing okay over here? Well, we're struggling. <laughs> you know? When happiness, the word of God says, belong to the Lord. And uh, you can live and die by, if you're a fish trying to climb a tree if you want to. Or you could just let Jesus, the fisherman... find you. Now, 
I think the greatest rest you can find this Christmas is what I call a biblical worldview. The biblical worldview takes into account, since creation, thousands of years of history. You ready? You ready? Not written by the conqueror. Not written. It's the only history that's not written from the dirt. So if the claims of the gospel and the claims of Christ are true, the Holy Spirit inspired authors to write. So as they're writing about creation, this is the Holy Spirit actually speaking from what he saw. And then this is really the issue that happened in Rome. These were really their issues. We preach about them to the church. Hey, you're in the world, but not of the world. Don't be of that thinking. That's all false and wrong. It's not going to go anywhere. It's the only worldview that is not written from the dirt. Not written by humans. At a, born in the dirt. Evolved from monkeys. We're writing history. God is like, actually, I, I created the world. I have this 30,000 foot view. It's actually a lot greater than that. And then, and then the tendency for this is like, well, you believe in a God. Like, you're so weak. You believe in a God. But if God is, is real, you know, why is he so absent from the pain and suffering of the world? That argument doesn't wash because God sent Jesus into the mud. Crucified in the worst torture. The son of the living God. For your sin. This group says, this group says, we're better than our fathers. This group says, we're the same as our fathers. Our fathers put Jesus on the cross. And if we were there, our sin would have done the same thing. This group just owns reality. This group's like, hey, we're going to try to climb out of that manure. And this group is like, go get dad. Your, your neighbor comes over and they're hurting. And you're like, somebody go get dad. I can't help you. Go get dad. Here's what he said. Here's what he said to do. Here's, here's his plan. The author of Eden, the author of goodness. We get a little bit confused because Adam and Eve were like, thank you, God, for making this beautiful paradise, but we'd rather live in the manure. So then we're like, who do we know that's good with manure? The devil. Let's give the world to him. That's what sin did. The immediacy of do what you want when you want to. It says uh, the fruit on the tree looked good to Eve. And Eve looked good to Adam. You not know how that works? And then we just gave the world to the enemy. God is redeeming the world. But it says, from the foundations of the world, Christ was slain to redeem the world. Christ came into, he's not, God is not Zeus watching the suffering of men and not caring. No, no, God, God is God that sent his best, his only son. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that for a friend. He did it while we were at odds, while we were enemies, while we were still sinners. He sends Jesus down, laid in a manger in the... Eight days after Jesus was born, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus. The name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Jesus, the prince of heaven, the son of the morning, with a resume that's way better than Kim's. <laughs> did not label himself. He did not name himself. He was named by the angel from his father before he was conceived. Which means, come on, family of God. God knew you. Jesus' name, it's Savior, it's Rescuer, it's 
Jesus has called you by name before you were conceived in whatever circumstances that looked like. He called you. He knew you. He wrote a book about you. He knows what he wants you to do. He knows who he called you to be. He knows all the things. He has all the power to get you there. He did not label himself. Paul writes by the Holy Spirit. Paul writes to one of the churches and he's like, in Christ, there are no labels. He says, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither male or female. He's like, you're thinking about all this wrong. You're just trying to deal with your insecurity by putting something on you you think you can do. And then you spend your whole life like, this is what I am. This is what I must be. Tell me I'm this. Tell me I'm happy. There is neither male nor female. Let me go here. There's neither black nor white. There's neither Filipino, Irish. They say God invented alcohol so the Irish wouldn't rule the world. You know who thinks God invented alcohol? Uh, the Irish. That's a problem. There is neither. You're thinking about this wrong. There is neither. Can I go here? Can I go here? There's neither male nor female. There's neither gay or straight. There is neither addicted or clean. There is neither. You're using the things you do to identify yourself. God is like, I named you before you were conceived. You're identifying yourself like in chapter 15. He's like, no, no, no. I have a, your life must be spent. It's how you enter the rest of God, finding out what that was. And Jesus is like, just come to me. Just come to me and let my father tell you who you are. Come to me in any condition. In any condition of sin or depravity, come. In any condition of confusion, come. Let my father name you. I let him name me. There's a reason nobody's like, save me, Randy. Because Jesus didn't wake up one day and he was like, I feel like a Randy. I want to be a Randy. I want to take control. Randy doesn't save. There's no Savior Randy, Lord Randy, if your name is Randy. Get prayed for after the service. I'm super sorry. I didn't know any Randys at venue. That's why I'm just like, there's a reason because he never labeled himself. He let God work through him. Then it was time for their purification offering for Jesus. And so as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Ironically, they offered the sacrifice of the poor because they couldn't afford a lamb. It's interesting. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem. You're going to see him in this next video as we're singing named Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was eagerly awaiting for, the, uh, waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. He had lived his entire life in a condition that's almost unimaginable for us as a Jew in Roman-dominated Israel. The Romans were not great oppressors, everybody. They had a bigger sword. They could take whatever they wanted, and they did. But he wouldn't let Rome label him. He wouldn't let himself be labeled a victim. He didn't think that he was. He had a biblical worldview. The Old Testament is still the Bible. He had a biblical worldview that when he met baby Jesus, watch, it caused him to rise. It prepared him for encounters with the Lord. When you come to church, if you don't have a biblical worldview, you'll see what happens here. You can either rise or you can fall. It's up to you. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come. The Holy Spirit was upon him, beside him, touching him moving with him, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. 
That day, the spirit led him to the temple. Where did the spirit lead him? Not to the cowboy bar. <laughs> you can go there if that's what you want to do. But. To the temple. What's the spirit? What's being led by the spirit, Pastor? What's that like? Well, it's like, um, it's like doing the opposite of what Bart Simpson says. <laughs> Homer's like, well, what should we do? Your mother's not here. And Bart says something, and he's like, oh, that sounds good. And then he's like, wait. And he checks a card that Marge wrote. Always do the opposite of what Bart says. Right, so your flesh, it's like, you got to learn to hate your flesh, by the way, because your flesh is just like, I just want instant gratification. I don't want to get up on New Year's because New Year's Eve was hard and sinful. You know, you could have a great New Year's Eve where you celebrate and don't do something stupid, by the way, and show up to church Sunday morning and give the Lord your year. It's up to you, right? I can't possibly make it to church New Year's. I'm going to be here, so. Um, so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, come on up, worship. Uh, the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required. Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms. You've got to watch what he says. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. Die in peace means like, okay, peace means like at peace, at rest with God. If you spend your whole life and your view is fighting against God's view, it's going to be hard and you're not going to get anywhere. He's like, I can die in peace. I can, I can that word die doesn't mean die, by the way. That word die means I can be released from my captivity down here to go home finally in peace with God, right standing with God. I am, he sees me and I see him and I'm not at odds with him with how I think and feel. I can live this life that pleases God. I don't get everything right, but part of that is like, I still, I, he goes, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Okay. This word prepared, I told these guys, I don't know why I'm preaching again to you guys. Listen, didn't listen the first time. I, I told them last night, that word prepared, do you know what it means? That word prepared is when a king was going to go visit a new territory. He sent a slave army ahead of him to build the roads so the king wouldn't have to ride on garbage roads. Simeon says, which you, the king, came down from heaven and with this son, Jesus, built the road. The king built the road for the slaves to get to his father. Where else do you get that? He is a light to reveal God to all the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, the baby's mother, watch this, this is Mary getting downloaded. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. What will you do this Christmas? You can arise in the Lord's rest if you fight this one little fight today. Or Jesus can come and confront that worldview when it's too late. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. Why? Because why is the path that leads to destruction? There are a few who find the path that leads to life. As a result, watch what Simeon is saying to Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. The deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very own soul. You can't build a wall high enough with a, world, with a biblical worldview. You can't build a wall around your heart high enough that God can't see you and find you. This builds walls. This doesn't. This tears down walls between people. The biblical worldview is the most. We don't accept everybody's actions because actions lead to consequences. But you want to talk about cause and effect over a long period of time and what true love is. It's not watching people get hit by cars because it feels nicer watch but Simeon is warning us 
as he warned Mary, it will expose what's really going on in your heart. I had something happen to me in my journey with the Lord one day. And I said these words out loud, and this is all that I want you to do this week, to enter the Lord's rest. Because I, I received such great rest from my soul after this. Because I had been, my heart and my mind had been, I knew that God was right. I knew that his way was right. But I was still struggling and pushing back. And I finally said out loud, God, when you and I disagree, I can change. The most empowering words anybody can ever say and that I've ever said, God, when you and I disagree, I'm committing right now, I can change. And a weight lifted off of my shoulders and I just went, oh. that's all we want for you.